Hi everyone and welcome to episode 2 of the HDB Discipleship Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Susie. Coming up in this month's episode, Alex Raymond. He is on the discipleship team. He writes our Connect Group resources and he lectures at St. Melitis College. He's going to have a chat with Rachel Woolridge. She's also on staff at St. Melitis. She leads the School of Theology and she's doing a PhD in Biblical Studies. They're going to have a chat about the major events that lead up to Jesus' death and resurrection. And then we've got Andy from the HDB 24-7 prayer team, and he's going to lead us in a time of prayerful reflection on the empty tomb and the cross. But first up, here's Alex and Rachel. We are in for a treat. Joining us in the studio today, we have Rachel Waldridge with us. Hello. Hello, Rachel. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Rachel works at St. Melitus, heading up their School of Theology, and she has an undergraduate in Biblical Studies, a postgraduate in Biblical Studies, and is currently studying a PhD in... Biblical studies. Biblical studies. You must like biblical studies. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's good. Good stuff. And in this bit of the podcast, we love to look over the next few weeks of our Sunday series and look at some of the subjects that we'll be preaching on. And the subjects today, we're looking at the triumphal entry of Jesus in Jerusalem. We're looking at the Last Supper. We're looking at Jesus' crucifixion. And then finally, Easter Sunday and the resurrection. It's the meaty bit, isn't it? It's quite meaty. It's where it all goes down. It's quite meaty. It's like the final battle. Um, but yeah, so we're going to look at loads of different instances. But um, the first question I would love to ask you, Rachel, is what is the deal with Jesus and donkeys? Jesus and donkeys. So it says, after Jesus has said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, and he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. What is it with Jesus and donkeys? Yeah, so he's um, coming into Jerusalem. Uh, So we're in Luke 19. And it is an interesting mode of transport that he's picked um, to make an entry as a a king would have done. People celebrate him as he comes in. It's quite a dramatic entrance. People are celebrating him, worshipping him. And yet he chooses a donkey. You know, most kings would have come in on a, a war horse or something slightly more glamorous. Um, I'd pick a Segway. A Segway. Segway your way into Segway Jerusalem. Into Jerusalem. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Alex. Um, I mean, that would be a great choice. But this it is an unusual choice. And interestingly, I think you've got this idea of Jesus being the Prince of Peace tied in there. So, mm. you know, the, the donkey would have been the mode of transport for a priest, for someone who was a man of peace. Mm. Um and yet he comes in as king, you know, he's saying the Lord needs it. There's part of his identity as king is this king of peace. And there's this sense then of also prophecy being fulfilled here. So you have Zechariah 9, 9. Which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Mm. So it's just completely different to how many people would have perceived a king to come. And I think it's really interesting as well, Jesus still is coming into Jerusalem, but there's a lot of hostility. So although people are worshipping him and it's Mm. quite a celebration as he walks in, he's coming in aware of his impending death, aware that people are wanting to arrest him. And yet he he comes not armed, not aggressively, not marching in, but on the colt of a donkey. Um, And I think... That's significant, significant for what kind of person we follow, what kind of king Jesus is. Wow. 
Last year I went to Jerusalem and uh, walked that same pathway from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. Wow. And it's, have you, you've been as well? Yeah. And it's so steep and hilly that then to think of a donkey, which is quite an ungainly animal, then also bearing someone, it would have looked awful. It's mm. not, it's not yeah. elegant. It's not a nice kind of uh, horse ride in. It would look awful. Yeah. Um, and making his way up to Jerusalem, that kind of ascension to this place that is at the mm. epicenter of what many people perceived where God would be, kind mm. of. And yet the way he comes in is not in a conquering manner. Mm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting picture. Wow. And so the triumphal entry, you've got all the, the singers, the people singing, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Um, but then the Pharisees are quite anti this anti this song. They don't like it. Um, why do you think that is? Why, what's what's the problem with the Pharisees? Why are they worried? Why? Are they... Well, I think they're nervous. They, I mean, a number of people are thinking Jesus is a heretic. You know, he's claiming um, claiming to be. Well, in fact, a lot of people are saying of him that he's the King of the Jews, and I think mm. he poses a threat, a massive mm. threat to the status quo. Mm. Um, and I think it. It makes them nervous. How many people are now following Jesus, talking about him, worshipping them? Mm. And I think they're, yeah, they're threatened. Then not long after, he is sharing his last supper with his disciples. The interesting timing of this is is, um, when they would have been sharing the the Passover meal together. So Mm. Jesus isn't... He doesn't seem to be starting a new meal. This is He's Mm. doing what other Jews would have been doing at the time. So what do you think, Alex, is the significance then about Jesus sharing this last supper with his disciples at the time of the Passover? What does that that mean? Well, there's a couple of things that I find fascinating about this passage. Um, In Mark 9, the transfiguration of Jesus, uh, the writer of that gospel says that Jesus is with Moses and Elijah and they're talking about Jesus' departure. And that word departure is the same word, exodus. So he's literally talking to Moses about the exodus that he's about to do. And what that what that means is that Jesus bringing people from a place of bondage and captivity and leading them into freedom. And the means by which he's going to do that is the same as what Moses did with the blood of the Passover lamb. And he himself is putting himself as that Passover lamb. It's not a, an external thing. He himself is going to be that sacrifice that you can paint over the doors, um, paint over your, your houses so that the angel of death that happens in Exodus will fly over. And so no longer, but the difference about this story is Jesus isn't just saying this is a one-time event. He's giving them a model that they can continue to recreate. Yeah. So it's now not a historical, just once, once, um, once done. He's giving them something they can go and recreate and, and take them as, as the church can go on proclaiming Passover to other people, saying that no longer is it just the Israel, the, the, Israel, the chosen people of God, but, but now it's a universal call that we can call anyone, regardless of colour, creed, race, religion. Mm. We can call them all into freedom through the blood of Jesus. Yeah, um, and I think it is interesting. Jesus could have given, you know, us, his followers, disciples, anything for us to remember him by. Mm. You know, throughout every time um, the Lord's Supper is mentioned, also in 1 Corinthians 11, but in the Gospels, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. Share this meal to remember me. Yeah. He could have given them anything to remember him by. Yeah. You know, say this prayer, or yeah. but he gives a meal. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's 
its very simplest is that sharing, fellowshipping with one another. And I love to, you know, just think what would it have been like to be at that table with Jesus, to allow Jesus to host us, to receive the hospitality of God. And I think that's a, that's a picture of discipleship, yeah. to sit with Jesus, to learn from him. You know, this it being a Passover meal, Jesus very likely would have retold the story of how God had delivered his people from the hands of Pharaoh and how God is the deliverer and to you know to be a christian to follow jesus to listen to learn from him but also that deeper level that jesus says when he breaks the bread and he takes the cup as you would have done in a passover meal he says this is my body given for you this is my blood shed for you and there's that real sense of intimacy as you share in that as we feast on jesus mm. um and that's what it means to be a disciple is to receive jesus in a in a way that isn't just learning teaching being in his company but receiving him spiritually and mm. nourishing us and you see that in john's gospel don't you? he talks about being jesus is the bread of life mm. and we can we get to feed on him in our hearts um yeah. and i remember when i first became a christian i thought i can't i can never take communion or the Eucharist, or the Mass, or whatever you call it, breaking of the bread. I can never do it unless I'm right with God, unless I've, I've, mm. I've, I've got rid of all any kind of sinful behaviour, anything that's slightly odd, unless I've got all that sorted. But here Jesus does it in a context, this remembrance of me, that word remember means to become a member again, to remember, to become part of the, the mm. body again. So in this act, we become unified as the church, not just simply a memorial, not just simply a uh, remember that time in history when, but instead, this helps us to become part of the church again. We become part of the body of Christ again. Yeah, and I think it's amazing. You look at who's at this table. You know, Jesus is hosting a meal. He could have had, you know, the dignitaries of the time. He could have had the mm. most important people. And yet he has his disciples and he also mm. has Judas, yeah. who is to betray him. Yeah. He doesn't exclude Judas from the meal. Yeah. And Peter is about to again deny him. Again, is sat at that table and you think, wow, what? You know, the table that Jesus hosts is not this table just full of the best, the perfect, yeah. those who don't deny or reject him at times, but he welcomes us mm. to to feast on him, no matter what our background, no matter what we're going through, no matter how the world views us. And I think that's a, an amazing picture of what it means to, to be his follower and to be the church. Yeah. And so he's it's a foretaste, isn't it, of what's going to happen in, in three days' time. Mm. In fact, it's I think Jesus says it's the last time he's going to eat until the kingdom comes again or until the kingdom is made manifest in this way. And, and so just three days later ish, we find the crucifixion, this, yeah. this event that is not only does it um, define so much of history, but it, it offends people. It's, it's something that is offensive that it causes an emotion in people. Um, even seeing a cross today, even today, um, it, it causes a reaction uh, in some. So what are some of the thoughts you have around the crucifixion? What are some of the things that really stand out to you? What are some of the things that you've been thinking about recently? Yeah, well, I think the cross is a really interesting image, isn't it? I guess today living in, you know, the UK, we kind of can have this idea of the cross being this religious symbol because of Jesus and we'll see it, you know, beautifully in churches. Some people will wear it as jewellery. But actually to go back to the first century, the cross was not this beautiful religious symbol it was quite simply a, a weapon of execution it was the way the roman empire dealt with those who defied their authority it was the way it, it murdered and crucified slaves criminals the lowest in society it was quite a harrowing image and um, so some writers also of the day pirates do you know that pirates no pirates the seven seas <laughs> around the time of jesus 
They'd crucify the pirates. Pirates. Well, there you go. Yeah. Hi. Just thought they'd know that. Honestly, it's gold. Just <laughs> gold coming out of Alex right now. But I do think that is interesting um, to think of this of this image of the cross, you know, as we reflect on it, meditate on it, and to think that of all the ways God could have died, mm-hmm. that he chose to die on a cross or allowed that to happen. Um, you know, you have in Philippians 2, that hymn that Paul writes, you know, that um, Jesus became obedient to death, mm. even to death on a cross. Yeah. There's like a next level. This isn't just God dying. This is God dying on a cross. And I think the way in which Jesus dies tells us something again about who he is and something about God's identity. Yeah. You know, that God would, I guess, associate himself for eternity as being one who died on a cross, who died a death like that yeah. for us. Yeah, because the, the difference is, again, going back to that transfiguration story where Jesus is with Moses and Elijah, is Elijah gets assumed into heaven like a kind of a chariots of fire kind of thing. And then Moses' body kind of mysteriously disappears. We don't really know what happened to Moses. We know that he died, but we don't know where he was, where he went. And um, so, so God could have done otherwise with Jesus. He could mm-hmm. have done, but he chose not to. Um, and so it, it, that's why it causes offence, I think, because there's a the decision that is made that either Jesus was just a good guy who happened to have a pinache for miracles mm. or there's something other about Jesus. Mm. And that's where the, you know, C.S. Lewis says, you know, you either, um, you either change your mind about who he is or you try and kill him. You try and put him out of your mind. You try and ignore him. Mm. Um, and I think it is really interesting that... Um, I guess the comparison that would be going on at the time with the Passover in which they would have sacrificed Passover lambs to remember God's deliverance of them. Now you have this kind of whole new meaning to that meal that has just been shared. And I always find it interesting with um, Abraham and Isaac, when Abraham is asked by God to sacrifice his son and at the last minute provides an animal to be sacrificed instead. And here you have... God providing a lamb, but it, it's his son this time. Yeah. And you think the power of that, that God provides for us, God just doesn't deliver us, but there's a sacrifice involved that we yeah. then can know God as his children through his son who is given for us, who is yeah. broken for us. Yeah. I think that's amazing that God would go to these lengths for us to be in relationship with us. Yeah. And he sticks by his own law. The Levitical law of the Passover was that it had to be a spotless lamb, a lamb without blemish, a lamb that wasn't broken or bruised mm. or anything like that, a lamb that hadn't gone through anything um, that would have meant it was unclean. Mm. And so here we have the the sinless Jesus, the, the spotless lamb uh, slain for all. Mm. And um, I think um, in the cross as well, you do just have this paradox then of... Um, you know, I find it so interesting that you have Jesus who's just, who's loving, who's peaceful. You know, we said he comes in on a donkey, this man of peace. He's not declaring war. And yet what do we do with this man of peace? What do we do with mm. this one who, who loves us? As humans, we kill him. We kill mm. God. Mm. That's our response to his love. That's our response to his gift. And within that moment of what looks like apparent defeat... You know, this place where um, there would have been no more shameful existence than to be naked on a cross within the first century mm. Greco-Roman world. That was, there was nothing lower. Mm. And yet in that place, that's where God declares Jesus to be Lord. Mm. That's, he is, you know, even though they write, don't they, ironically, King of the Jews. Yeah. It is in that place he is still King. Yeah. And yet there's this paradox of in the place of, it looks like apparent defeat. It looked like Rome had won. You know, Rome mm. uses the cross to 
to defy its to conquer its enemies mm. and yet god turns that defeat into the greatest victory we've ever known mm. and you have that paradox again of what seems to be the most shameful situation is actually the place where god glorifies his son mm. and in the face of hate you know people are literally killing god jesus is demonstrating his love in the most profound way i think that's just yeah a stunning a stunning paradox yeah there's so many facets to this one event that mm. you know there's loads of things that have happened in history but not many events that have so many every time you look at it you see a different angle a different facet a different mm. side to it that reveals something liberating mm. that reveals something new so not only does jesus suffer with us he suffers for us mm. he suffers over and above us mm. he undertakes all suffering so we no longer have to suffer there's so many different things that stand here he stands beside us as we are the thieves on the cross that say, can I be with you in paradise today? Mm. You know, there's so many different elements. So good. So much. And then we have two days later, two and a half days later, um, two and some... Boom, the moment. The moment. The one we've all been waiting for. Mic drop. It's the mic drop, isn't it? Where the chocolate gets delivered. <laughs> the chocolate. The Easter Sunday. Is he... No, did that not happen? Chocolate. Did that not happen in the first there's century? No, there's no chocolate here. First century Palestine? This is, thought... this is life and life in abundance, Alex. This is... Go on. Tell us some reflections deal. on the resurrection. Well, I think, um, you know, it's interesting when you read Paul, He his, for him a central feature of Jesus being God and being who he said he was is that he died and rose again. Yes. If Jesus had remained dead, he would have just been another failed Messiah, failed prophet, failed teacher and or even well a good teacher but yeah. you know how is he going to be the bringer of eternal life and sure. um and everything he's taught but the resurrection really is the proof that that jesus is who he said he is mm. and that he is the one god has chosen to defeat death through so you have paul connecting the dots the logic is okay well if jesus has come back from the dead then we know death has been defeated and if death has been defeated that's how you can be confident your sins are forgiven because the fruit of sin yeah. is death. And that's how we can be confident we too share in this resurrection, that this just isn't, you know, Jesus offering us life it isn't just this nice metaphor to feel good here on earth. Actually, Jesus' physical bodily resurrection is a demonstration of what is going to be true for us as we follow him. Yeah, And that image of baptism, that's why, well, not just an image, that act that we do of baptism, of being baptized as Christians is sharing in the death and then coming up into new life. And you have within Luke's gospel, um, after, you know, on the third day, it says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. You know, they're expecting a, a dead Jesus. Um, but you've got on the first day of week, it's like a whole new day has dawned. Yeah. So then you have all this understanding of new creation of what Jesus has done, standing then resurrected both i think demonstrating who god is but you know what it means for us to be human and we as followers of jesus follow him in that in that new life in that us too being raised from the dead um from the dead of our death of our sins um from being estranged from god being raised into a new life into relationship with god mm. yeah and then you have them being the first evangelists mary magdalene joanna mary the mother of james some women they run back and and talk to the other apostles but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like nonsense and so they go back and check 
And and of course I didn't believe them because in in the day in court that women's testimony did not stand up. However, here God again uses the people who other people won't listen to mm. to proclaim the gospel. Whether that is a Roman tacking on the King of the Jews, mm. or whether it's Barabbas taking on the freedom that we're given, even though we're guilty, like Barabbas. Again, here you have women who are the first evangelists of the of the empty tomb. Yeah, which is amazing, and I think. You know, there's always this question, Was did Jesus really come back from the dead? Is he really who he said he was? And the whole historical question over the Gospels. And I think when you look at both the, the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and you look at John's Gospel, they're all very similar. Um, they come very close to one another when they kind of talk about this passion narrative, Jesus' death and his resurrection. And they all testify to women being the first mm. to um, see the resurrected Christ. Now, if you were going to make this story up, you would not have women testifying to it hmm. because of this very reason. And you also have, you know, people's disbelief at this. It's a, it intends to be a very historical account. Um, and the gospel writers have, they don't deviate from that because this is, this is a central point and the historical accuracy of this is key. Hmm. You know, that Jesus didn't just, this isn't a hallucination that we've got going on here. This is people who have experienced the bodily resurrection of Christ and they're in shock. Yeah. And I think that's it. That's just an important thing to remember that we don't. Yeah, I don't know. We can sometimes make Jesus's resurrection a bit of a fluffy. Oh, maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. But it's central to the proclamation of the gospel and to who Jesus is. That yeah. you know, this happened. That it all makes sense. Everything else makes sense because of this moment. That this is the almost the final chapter where everything else makes sense out of because of that. Mm. Um, so coming up to Easter. We've got a couple of weeks before we before we hit Easter. What are you, some of your thoughts? What are some of your thinking of how all this stuff, how does it relate to everyday Christian living? Like knowing about the resurrection, knowing about the crucifixion, knowing about Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a donkey, knowing about him sharing the Last Supper. How does it, how does it affect your daily walk with Jesus? Hmm. Well, I think it's always interesting to put yourself in the gospel stories and you to think what would it have been like to be around Jesus and so I guess I always try and put myself in the place of the disciples and you know having spent time with Jesus and then this last supper and I think yeah as I said that is a real picture of what it means to be his disciples to sit with him receive mm. with him um yeah receive from him and that intimacy Jesus offers in relationship with him that communion mm. you know that that's yeah. where we get that word that communion with him and so I think that's huge for my understanding of what it means to follow Jesus is to be in that deep relationship with him, receiving from him, nourishing, having, yeah, spiritually being nourished by him and learning from him. But then I also think you have to look in the way in which God has brought about this new life for us, the way God has brought about this victory. As you know, as we said, he could have done it in any way. Mm. And yet the humility mm. in which Jesus is king the peacefulness the, just everything about him is so countercultural to so often what we see he is you know the most powerful person walking the planet and what does he do with that power yeah he's he had the potential to start a revolution a massive uprising or to you know he could have done anything and I, so i think everything that jesus does whether it's coming in on a donkey dying on a cross how he responds when he's accused is really significant for us understanding what it means for us to follow him and to imitate Christ and to take up our cross. What does that look like? Mm. And I think you just get this kind of subversion of power, this re... what would be the word? Reinterpreting what it means to to love God, to follow God. 
Um, yeah, so I think this Easter I'll probably be reflecting on those. What about you, Alex? I think the all throughout the the story of that holy week, that that final week, there are so many unlikely characters. Mm. Simon of Cyrene, so from a, a town in Libya, um, so fr- not not from the in crowd of Jerusalem, someone who then helps Jesus get to the point of of crucifixion. He he physically helps him mm. up. Barabbas is an interesting character, but the way that he is a physical representation of what's about to happen, he physically is set free from a crime that he is guilty of. And as we as humans, we're all guilty of stuff. And yet Jesus dies in our place. So he dies in the place of Barabbas. Pontius Pilate and Herod, these two unlikely characters, one a a Jew, one a Roman, they both conspire. And yet um, they are part of making this thing happen, really. And so I just find, find time and time again, I'm just so in awe of the people that God uses from all kinds of walks of life to bring about his plan of restoration and reconciliation. That's the food for thought. Food for thought. Thank you for joining us, Rachel. It's been very fun. Great. Well, have a great Easter. In response to what we've heard, Andy from the HDB 24-7 prayer team is going to guide us in a time of prayer as we head towards Easter. Jesus' death on the cross is the greatest act of love ever displayed. His resurrection is the most impacting event in history. Debated and deconstructed throughout the centuries, the depth and power of this sacrificial love and this victorious resurrection cannot be contained within the disciplines of science or history, but needs the beautiful movement of the Holy Spirit stirring revelation in our hearts and he loves to reveal himself to those who seek him. So now, if you can, find a quiet spot and still your mind. Turn your focus and desire towards God. Become aware of his presence with and in you. And engage your heart and imagination to walk with Jesus through the Easter narrative. Stand with Jesus in the courtroom, wrongfully accused, spat upon, lied about and mocked, and know that in your experiences of injustice, Jesus stands beside you as one who truly understands. Walk with him as he carries his cross through the city and up the hill. Bloody, beaten, naked and vulnerable, and watch him fall to the ground, the weight too much for him to carry. And when the weight of this world feels too much for you to carry, be comforted, for Jesus stands beside you as one who understands. See the love in his eyes as he's nailed to the wooden cross and lifted up to die. And hear the conviction in his voice as he cries out, It is finished. Be assured today that Jesus carried the fullness of your sin, guilt, shame and sickness. So no longer does your past define you, for it is finished. And he dies. He's placed in the tomb, and with Saturday comes silence. 
sit with the disciples in their mourning, in their confusion, in their disappointment. But know that even in the silent seasons of your life, God is not passive. He continues to lovingly work out his plans and purposes, even when we are uncomfortable in the silence. For the silence always gives way to Sunday. Stand in wonder with the disciples as they find the tomb empty. Jesus is risen. Death could not hold him and everything has changed. Let wonder, hope and joy stir in you today. For every challenging situation, every broken relationship, every internal battle and every pain that you experience is within reach of the Spirit's resurrection power. Receive hope today. Thanks so much for joining us for episode two of the HTB Discipleship Podcast. As always, we'd love to know what you think. Send us an email at discipleship at htb.org. We hope you join us next time. 